No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that the Lord tells Jeremiah not to marry nor mourn for the people. Disaster shall soon come and gladness shall cease, but God will restore Israel in the future. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Jeremiah chapter 16 on Simply the Bible. Jeremiah was a prophet during the death of his nation. Soon Jerusalem would be destroyed and the people of Judah would go into captivity. Jeremiah's life would be spared, but he was not completely immune from the effects of God's judgment. We continue in Jeremiah chapter 16. The word of the Lord also came to me saying, you shall not take a wife, nor shall you have sons or daughters in this place. For thus says the Lord concerning the sons and daughters who are born in this place, and concerning their mothers who bore them and their fathers who begot them in this land. They shall die gruesome deaths. They shall not be lamented, nor shall they be buried, but they shall be like refuse on the face of the earth. They shall be consumed by the sword and by famine. And their corpses shall be meat for the birds of heaven and for the beasts of the earth. When God created man, he said that it was not good for man to be alone, and that's why he created Eve. All Jewish men were expected to be married by the age of 20. In fact, the rabbis pronounced a curse on anyone who refused to marry and give birth to children. It would have been most natural for Jeremiah to have wanted to enjoy a wife, but it wasn't God's plan for him at this time. Terrible times were on the horizon. There would be a time of famine during the Babylonian siege. Men, women, and children would be slain with their bodies left in the streets. There wouldn't even be enough people living to mourn for the dead or bury them. This was no time to begin a family. Jeremiah not marrying was also a sign for the people of Judah. Whenever anybody asked Jeremiah why he wasn't married, he could explain how God told him to remain single because of the coming judgment. For thus says the Lord, do not enter the house of mourning, nor go to lament or bemoan them. For I have taken away my peace from this people, loving kindness and mercies, says the Lord. Both the great and the small shall die in this land. They shall not be buried, neither shall men lament for them, cut themselves, nor make themselves bald for them. Nor shall men break bread in mourning for them to comfort them for the dead. Nor shall men give them the cup of consolation to drink for their father or their mother. Now it is normal for people to grieve the death of their loved ones. The Jews were especially vocal in their mourning and would even hire professional wailers to come to their funeral services. But these were not normal times. These people had tried the Lord's patience to the limit so that now he was removing his peace and comfort from the nation. Moreover, the judgment that was coming would be so terrible that the people would be unable to express their grief or even bury their dead. Jeremiah's restraint from mourning would be a sign to them. Also, you shall not go into the house of feasting to sit with them to eat and drink. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, 
Behold, I will cause to cease from this place before your eyes and in your days the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. The people also feasted at weddings and at other times, but as with mourning, the times of going to parties would soon cease. The voice of gladness and bridegroom and bride would vanish from the land. Jeremiah's lack of participation in these normal events would be a sign to the community of what was coming. And it shall be when you show this people all these words and they say to you, why has the Lord pronounced all this great disaster against us? Or what is our iniquity? Or what is our sin that we have committed against the Lord our God? Then you shall say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me, says the Lord. They have walked after other gods and have served them and worshiped them and have forsaken me and not kept my law. And you have done worse than your fathers. For behold, each one follows the dictates of his own evil heart so that no one listens to me. Therefore, I will cast you out of this land into a land that you do not know, neither you nor your fathers. And there you shall serve other gods day and night where I will not show you favor. The people would say to Jeremiah, why has the Lord pronounced all this great disaster against us? Now, after everything that Jeremiah had already told them, were they still so dull that they were unaware of their sins? Hadn't God been saying the same things for generations? Didn't they have the example of the northern kingdom of Israel going into Assyrian captivity because of their disobedience and idolatry? How could they not know why this was happening to them? Nevertheless, God gave them five reasons. First, their fathers or ancestors turned away from the Lord. This is the beginning of all problems. When people turn away from God, who is the source of all life, provision, and protection, they are destined to fail. Second, their fathers served and worshipped other gods, gods that were lifeless and of their own making. Their idolatry soon led to immorality. Third, they had not kept the law of God, but each person did what was right in his own eyes. Fourth, as bad as their fathers had been, they were even worse. By following the dictates of their own evil hearts, they had sunken to new levels of depravity. Fifth, they refused to listen to the voice of God. God sent his prophets, but they turned a deaf ear to them, and now God would turn a deaf ear to their cries for help. So how can we apply this to our world? Well, let's consider the world that we have inherited from our forefathers. Today, we see people abandoning the absolute truth of God's word and believing in whatever makes them feel good. They are not interested in the foundation of faith and the Bible on which this country was built, and in fact, which is the word of God. They are not interested in seeking God's solutions to the problems that we face. Moreover, each generation pushes the envelope even further on what they will tolerate. Under the guise of inclusion, we have denied the absolute standards of moral truth that God has established in his eternal and unchanging word. We have sown to the wind and are reaping the whirlwind. 
Yet, I firmly believe that all these things could be reversed in one generation if we would listen to the voice of God and turn back to him with all of our hearts, if we would make God's word the standard rather than our own or other people's opinions, then we could do better than our fathers. We could receive God's blessings rather than his judgment. We are the generation that can make a difference, but we haven't a second to lose. And we must impart this vision to the next generation. Verse 14, therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, but the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. For I will bring them back into their land, which I gave to their fathers. Their immediate future was dark and depressing, yet God still gave them hope. After 70 years of Babylonian captivity, God would restore them into their homeland. Previously, they referred to the Lord delivering them from Egypt, but in the future, they would refer to him delivering them from Babylonian captivity. And when they came back, they would never again worship idols. Behold, I will send for many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them, and afterward I will send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain and every hill and out of the holes of the rocks. For my eyes are on all their ways. They are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes. And first, I will repay double for their iniquity and their sin because they have defiled my land. They have filled my inheritance with the carcasses of their detestable and abominable idols. Before God could restore them, he first had to discipline them. They had been so persistent in their sin and rebellion that God could not let them go entirely unpunished. The Babylonians would be as fishermen with a dragnet, catching everyone. And if anyone happened to escape, then the Babylonians would hunt them down. There would be nowhere to hide. God sees everything. Nothing is hidden from the one to whom we will give an account. God saw their immorality and idolatry and would repay them double for their sins. O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come to you from the ends of the earth and say, surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthlessness and unprofitable things. Will a man make gods for himself, which are not gods? What do you do when everything around you is crashing? To whom or to what do you turn? What is your source of strength? Jeremiah lived in desperate times, but God was his strength and God was his refuge. Moved by the spirit, Jeremiah saw the day when the Gentiles would come from all over the world to worship Yahweh. They would recognize that they had inherited lies from their fathers. The things they worshiped were worthless and unprofitable. Therefore, they would seek the one and true God. Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know. I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is the Lord. The Lord responded to Jeremiah's cry that indeed they would see his might 
and know that he is the Lord. Now, is this speaking of the Jews or the Gentiles or both? I think both. Because this will happen during the millennial reign of Christ when all the nations of the earth will worship him in Jerusalem. But we do not have to wait until then because God has proven himself trustworthy. He has sent his only son to die on the cross in our place and then God raised him from the dead. He's willing to pardon our sins if we will humbly come to him and turn from our sins. Our nation may be too far down the road of depravity, but God will save anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do just thank you that you are a merciful and loving God. We thank you, Father, that you showed your love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I pray for anybody listening to this today that feels alienated from you in some way because of their sins. God, I pray in Jesus' name that they would come to you just as they are in humility, confessing that they have sinned against you and broken your law, and yet coming by trusting in your promises that you will forgive and cleanse those who come in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and please leave us a review. Tomorrow we will see where the Lord declares Judah's sin and punishment. Jeremiah prays for deliverance. If the people will keep the Sabbath holy, then the city will remain. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Jeremiah on Simply the Bible.